You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Well, welcome and welcome back to The Bill Bennett Show. Today we'll catch up in emails, and there's a few things I want to talk about. All right, Claude, how are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? Good. How many emails did you pick out for a discussion? So I picked out two emails from our listeners. A lot of them, you know, kind of saying the same thing. So I wanted to pick out two that kind of... Um, all right. Well, number one, that uh, will summarize what many of the emails are saying. And the others, uh, the other one, uh, kind of bringing up some different points and different topics. So we'll start with David. Uh, David says, Bill uh, and Claude, Bill, your tribute to your late brother at the end of the most recent Scholars and Sense was touching. May your family know the comfort that comes with uh, comes only from our Lord and our hope in him. There's in praying and uh, paying tribute. Uh, you mentioned Rush Limbaugh. Like everyone on our side, I still miss Rush. And I still wonder how we will get through the, na- the national elections without him. But you, Conrad Black and Victor Davis Hanson, are filling the gap in a big way. Thank you. Oh, that's very nice. Those are big shoes to fill, even for three people. <laughs> <laughs> even for even for Victor Davis Hanson and Conrad and myself. Um, yeah, well, I think about Rush all the time. I was watching... Um, it was a Thursday night football, I guess, what the Dagon... Uh, Bears finally won. They beat the Washington Redskins, but they're not the Redskins or whatever they are. Yeah, uh, the man. Commanders. But uh, Al Michaels uh, doing the uh, play-by-play, and Al Michaels was uh, one of the kind of MCs that Rush chose for his wedding, mm-hmm. uh, the big wedding in Florida that we went to, and uh, never forget it. And we miss him very much. Rush and I became really quite quite close over the years. Uh, and then um, he got married. He kind of disappeared, which is fine. Uh, wanted to have a lot of privacy and a, a life with his wife. God bless him. I think he had it. Got it. All right. And then we've got uh, Barry from North Carolina. He uh, signs in Go Heels. Uh, he says, Bill and Claude, thank you for keeping me uh, thinking as I crisscross the Carolinas in my capacity as a, an equipment salesman. Because often I, I want to jump through the radio <laughs> and sit there with you and engage in the discussion. Uh, two questions have popped in my mind as I listen to uh, Conrad Black and Victor Davis Hanson. Says the first that I have uh, not heard an uh, answer just yet, though I'm sure the information is out there, uh, is what does the timeline look like for an appeals process for Donald Trump? Even if he's convicted on all four uh, of the trials set next year, uh, if he can appeal each conviction, will the appeal process not put him beyond the November election day? That's the first question. Second- Boy, I don't know. I mean, that'll depend on um, on his lawyers, on the courts. I mean, these appeals can go for years, you know, before being resolved. Uh, I certainly think they'll they'll request expedited appeals. But I don't know. Maybe some lawyer listener here can clarify that for us. Go ahead. Yeah, feel free to email us at uh, BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and then he goes on to say the second question, um, oh, you know, in, in addition to the first question, says, you know, and if they, if the appeal does go beyond the November election, if he's elected, what is his power, capability as president-elect and then president over his own trials? Uh, that's another question that he had. Oh, kind of, can he, can he pardon himself? Correct. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I guess he can. It's weird, but I guess he can. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
unprecedented times, as we've often said. Uh, second question, he says, uh, comes from a retired lieutenant, colonel friend of mine, Alan, uh, on the Ukrainian-Russian war. Having served with NATO during his 20 years uh, in the U.S. Air Force, uh, Alan suggested that it should be NATO who goes in and enforces a no-fly zone in Ukraine, which he says will eliminate the Russian advantage and allow the Ukrainians to win a ground war. That he did point out that, of course, Ukraine is not part of NATO, uh, which Alan said yes, but NATO went into Bosnia and enforced the no-fly zone when Bosnia was also not a member of NATO. So it's possible, and uh, how and why has no one suggested it on the news that he has heard so far? That's all right. I I don't know. I'll I'll do a double. I don't know this morning. Okay. Uh, I don't I don't know the answer to that. Um, if it's been proposed. But I'll tell you, there's more restiveness at home about Ukraine and mm-hmm. continuing to send many hundreds of billions of dollars to Ukraine. Uh, we find out, for one, that we're uh, paying not just for the war, but uh, we're paying for the uh, government to operate, the bureaucracy. Uh, we're paying for uh, uh, lots of people's salaries uh, in the government. Uh, and, uh, you know, should we be doing that while we have these problems here at home? Uh, that's That question is uh, getting asked more and more. And I think slowly opposition to more in uh, Ukraine is, is growing. Um, now, uh, you know, I, that, what, what, what does this do? This puts pressure on the president to make a deal uh, and to urge uh, Zelensky to make a deal. Zelensky uh, is seeing the support of a large part of the world. Isn't going to want to settle for this. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but I, I, I don't. People say we're winning, or that they're winning. I'm not so sure. So uh, I, I, I just don't. I just don't know about that. Can I move on to some things on my mind? Sure. Yeah. Let's do it. Oh, by the way, if anyone wants to email in on their thoughts on these things or anything else, again, feel free to email Bill Bennett Podcast at gmail dot com. Yeah. Um, the border thing. I mean, um, thousands rushing the border, hundreds of thousands. Um, I think last month, like 270,000 people crossed into the country. It's outrageous. It's it's a real outrage. So you have Democrat governors and mayors now in blue cities, sanctuary cities, uh, complaining um, and saying something has to be done. So Biden oddly resurrects the wall and they're going to build 40 miles of wall. Um couple of points. Uh, he campaigned on not having any wall, tearing down the wall and, and not building any more. And now he's proposing building it. Uh, to what end? By the way, it's trivial. I mean, the stretch of land you're talking about is several hundred miles, not 40. So people can walk around your wall, basically. Um, so it's largely symbolic what to show the blue city mayors, the sanctuary city mayors, that you are listening to them and you're doing something. It's getting a ton of criticism from the left for this. Uh, no, not much praise from the right either. So I don't know what's going on. Do you have any idea? You know, we don't know what's going on with this latest thing, but let's talk about the things that we do know when it comes to um, the border. Number one, out of control. Number two, um, the current administration has no um, plans to do anything about it. It doesn't seem like they had any plans to do anything about it. And um, let's not forget all the controversy that former President Trump, well, I don't want to say controversy, but how the left attacked him when he talked about building a wall. We're going to build a wall. We'll keep it up. You know, um, and then here we are uh, years post President Trump and nothing's being done. It's gotten worse. Are we going to have to revisit those uh, those Trump policies and Trump thoughts? Looks like we will. 
Well, I mean, if you're going to revisit Trump policy, the Trump policies <laughs> to revisit is not primarily the wall. It's primarily remain in Mexico and, and other right. things. Correct. So, I mean, the flow keeps coming, particularly if your stretch of wall is, you know, one fifth of what you need. Well, they can't but, they can't go full Trump policy. They can't go full wall because the wall was demonized as something that was anti-American and a hate for, you know, immigrants and things like that. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't. I don't get it. I don't. I don't. I don't know what they're. I don't know why they're doing this. Yeah. They know why they're doing this. Well, they've got to look like they're doing something, especially coming up uh, ahead of the election. And so this is something you can point to. Um, and even if you were say it's a watered down version, but it's more humane than what was presented before, uh, they've got to do something. There's an election coming up and it's one of the worst things happening in our country right now. And so they have to at least seem as if there's something <laughs> that they're going to do about it, uh, even though we all know it's not really going to help at all. There's some really crazy and really outrageous things going on. Um, did you see that story about right uh, here in D.C., the CVS store with the open shelves? Yes, sir. Absolutely. The, you know that there are, that now these looters and criminals who are breaking in, into these stores and doing these mass robberies, with this particular CVS, they knew the delivery date of new supplies. They knew the delivery date of things. They come in when they're being restocked, and sometimes those things don't even make it to the shelf. Well, it showed the CVS um, with basically empty shelves. Mm-hmm. Hard to know why anybody who was shopping would go in there. These looters know when the date of new supplies is, as you say. So they wait and go and take it out. But the, how about this? I heard this is here right there in downtown D.C., uh, and it's regularly looted by kids from the high school. The one we're talking about is at 3031 14th Street. But listen to this. Apparently, some of the looters take their cache of things and set up, set them up on a table across the street from the CVS and sell them. So do you, you see the picture? You go into CVS, you steal it. And then you go right off. And then you have the temerity to go across the street and sell the same stuff. Obviously, for a buck or two bucks, when it's maybe a five or ten dollar item, a civilized society just can't tolerate that. I'm sorry, no, just cannot let that happen. I, I found this really, really extraordinary. Well, and then, and, and and what has to happen? I mean, I saw kind of the same thing in Philadelphia. I can't remember the street now, but now there's a street that's almost like Skid Row, where just drug use, uh, uh, crime, uh, homelessness. You know, you've got to do something about it. And at some point, and I can't help but to think that the reason this stuff is happening, number one, is the fact that the politicians in these cities are too politically correct to just say what needs to happen in order to stop it. And I can't help but to think that they're somewhat self-imposed, hands tied behind their back because they don't want to appear to be racist because they they use that as their cause for everything. And so I think that they're willing, as long as they can, to look the other way and not necessarily say anything or say, oh, well, it's because of oppression over the years. Oh, well, it's because there's a lack of resources. There's no lack of resources that's going to make a 16-year-old get up and say, we're going to steal from this store and then sell it right across the street from it. That's not a lack of resources. That's not an oppressive country. That's, that's nothing other than there are no consequences because the people who are running these cities don't want to deal with don't want to deal with it because it, it attacks their political correct agenda. Period. I mean, that's the only explanation there is. Yeah. Well, I think you're right. Um, there's a trial going on of this uh, Sam Bankman-Fried. 
Mm-hmm. Or Sam Bankman fraud, some people call them. Billions of dollars, billions, hundreds of billions lost. Um, prosecution's making its case. There's a problem with these cases worth thinking about. Apparently, it's open and shut that this guy was a fraudster. And he was taking in all this money and using it to lavish uh, things on himself and his friends, um, not really giving a return to to, uh, to the investors, kind of a Ponzi scheme. Problem is, when you dig into it, it gets more complex to explain exactly what he's doing and how he's doing it. And then there's a question as to whether the jury can follow that. And if it can't follow that, um, you know, the guy may get off the hook, which would be hard hard to believe. But because these uh, financial cases, investment cases, can get so complicated so quickly, jurors' heads can spin and they can just say, I don't get it. You haven't made the case. Not guilty. Uh, Roanoke swimming team, these uh, young girls, uh, the women's swimming team at Roanoke College in Virginia, uh, are standing up and saying, no, we won't compete against men even if they're trans men or say they're becoming women, this is what happened to them. Uh, But the question they're asking is, you know, we're speaking up, this girl Riley Gaines is speaking up, but where are the adults? Where are the adults in the room? Mm -hmm. Why aren't people going nuts about this? I'm going nuts about it. But, um, you know, all all the, what happened to feminism happened to defensive title nine. It's just crazy. And yet a lot of people are just remaining silent or on the sidelines while their daughters are, you know, put made very much second class citizens, worse than they were before Title IX. I like that they're doing it now. Um, but number one, yeah, but they're also right. You know, NCAA, like where where are you? Like you said, where are the where are the adults? Where are the feminists? Um, because, again, these are men who are saying I am a woman and I should compete against the women. I just don't understand the whole argument like, as if the competition is fair. If it was so fair, just in general, there are so many medications and hormones, testosterone suppressants that you take. It's obvious that there's a physical advantage because if there wasn't, you wouldn't have to change and manipulate yourself biologically so much. Um, and But I think it gets back to the same thing I was saying about the crime. I mean, you have people who have made careers and have made their lives based on uh, certain political correctness, and they can't say anything. They can't, they can't, other, they've got to let it go as ridiculous as it gets and say, well, no, they should be able to compete against these girls uh, because they feel like they are a woman, and so therefore they are a woman. woman. Forget how natural, real women feel about it. Um, because this is an oppressed section of our society, and they're not. If you want to be transgender and change yourself, feel fine. Feel free to do so, but you cannot infringe on the lives of other people based on how you feel. Which, by the way, is a confusing is is a feeling of confusion and and and, and not accepting. It's so funny because they use this accepting this acceptance argument. I don't mean to go on a rant about it, but they they use this acceptance argument. Um, as if the rest of us have a problem accepting them. No, the original acceptance issue is you accepting yourself for what you were born as. Like that's that's, that's the original right. acceptance. And so you could not accept Stat- the fact it's that called status responsibility. Right. Recognizing who you are and what your identity is and what your sexual identity is, what your strengths are, what your limitations are. 
I mean, I want to be an NFL quarterback. At some point, I had to accept the fact that I'm not good enough yeah, to be. Yeah, right. But the point, but the point is, is the original acceptance issue is the individual accepting the fact that you were born a male and that you are a male. And so, if, if, but if you can't accept that and you want to change your entire life, then fine. But why do we have to accept the fact that you're not we and you're transgender? Okay, I accept you as a transgender person, but I. I'm not going to expect, accept you as a woman. You have to accept yourself the way that you are. It's not everyone else who has the issue. It's you. And you're trying to change everything about society. There are individuals who will no longer call a woman or a male a woman or a male. You, you're either a cis woman or a cis man or a transgender woman or transgender. That's ridiculous. What are you talking about? Yeah, somebody wise said that uh, the big shift in our society was on somewhere in the 60s or 70s. When instead of the um, burden being on the individual uh, to conform to the rules of the group and the larger society, the larger society uh, and the group had to conform to the needs and desires of the individual as that individual saw it. So the entire swimming team now or swimming in the USA has to conform to what a few men want. Uh, And that's that's not right. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. 